0: From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker.
1: And I'm Jennifer Schatt, budget and appropriations reporter.
0: And the logjam has been broken, Jen, and there is a deal to raise the debt limit. It's almost a miracle. This months-long saga Uh, this partisan standoff over how to raise the debt limit and who should take responsibility for it has effectively ended. Congress has cleared a new bill to let Democrats raise the debt limit on their own. Republicans won't have to take part in it. They can be free to vote against it. Kind of a remarkable case study here of bipartisan cooperation that we don't see much of in this highly polarized Congress. So that's what we just want to talk about today, because it is a noteworthy moment here uh, that's going to eliminate this problem for a good while.
1: Yeah, this has been a really sort of fascinating, essentially, roller coaster for everyone to be on really since July when that previous two year bipartisan suspension of the debt limit ended and the Treasury Department started using accounting maneuvers referred to as extraordinary measures to continue paying all of the nation's bills on time uh, and avoiding what is sort of broadly referred to as a default um, when the federal government would only have been able to spend as much money as was coming in, which would have led to a lot of essentially sort of forced spending cuts to who knows what programs really, but, and, you know, some economic calamity in there as well. And so this has been something that became really partisan earlier this year uh, when Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell sort of began announcing in floor speeches that Republicans would not help Democrats raise or suspend that debt limit or that borrowing capacity that the country really needs to keep spending money on all the things that both parties have said in the past they want to spend money on, and so you know that is something that sort of became very uh, intense heading into October, uh, and then both parties, predominantly through McConnell and Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, reached agreement for that four hundred eighty billion debt limit raise bill uh, that Republicans helped. Democrats get passed a procedural vote on in the Senate, but did not actually vote for passage on in the Senate. And so that gave them a little bit more time to negotiate. But of course, there was a lot of tension, too, because Schumer gave that floor speech ahead of the debt limit vote, you know, kind of pointing at Republicans and saying, ha, we did it. Essentially, you know, we can Democrats can raise the debt limit on their own. Um, They don't need Republicans to do this and sort of really frustrating a lot of Republicans in the Senate, as well as a few more centrist members of his own party. And so there's a lot of confusion coming out of the Thanksgiving break on the Capitol Hill about how this issue was going to be solved. And, um, you know, it sounds like Schumer and McConnell had a lot of conversations that Schumer referred to as productive uh, and then they came to this sort of weird agreement that um, Congress approved this week.
0: Yeah, and we should remember, Jen, how intense the politics over this have been all year, because and and really only because of the Build Back Better bill, right? The Democrats are trying to pursue through re- reconciliation on their own this massive tax and spending package, and Republicans are determined to tie the debt limit increase to that package, saying its they're trying to suggest it's only because Democrats want to pass all this extra spending that we need to raise the debt limit. That's not really true. We have to raise the debt limit even if that package never passes, simply because there are too many bills coming and then have to be paid. They knew that going in, that the, that the debt limit would have to be raised. You can argue it may have to be raised even more because of Build Back Better, but but it has to be raised anyway, Republicans have been trying to tie those two issues together. And that's why they have been adamant that they will not cooperate on a debt limit increase this year. That really poisoned the well here for any kind of bipartisan deal. And that's why Mitch McConnell, the Republican leader, has was so adamant for months that Democrats would have to raise the debt limit on their own through reconciliation was his message over and over and over again. He did, however, relent on that. And he is a master of of Senate deals. And we really did see that this week, Jen, because he got with Schumer and really coordinated a way to get them out of this fix. Because I think McConnell's overall motivation was to give republicans an out here and not trigger a fiscal crisis neither party wanted to trigger the fiscal crisis that would result if the debt limit isn't raised and so very skillfully the two of them have been were, were meeting for days uh, at least to craft this deal uh, all behind closed doors and it was very impressive to me how none of it really leaked out for the longest time uh, not even other senators knew what they were cooking up, really, as far as what we could tell, uh, because nothing nothing leaked until they were ready to reveal it. And that is this, this procedural uh, loophole, this, this carve-out they created, uh, which lets the Senate advance a debt limit increase uh, with a simple majority vote. So they don't need the usual 60-vote thresholds, which would require Republican help which is how they did that short-term patch in October. This time, uh, it took Republican cooperation to get this, this bill passed, this procedural measure. So there's some cooperation here, but then they can move to the debt limit bill, Republicans can say, without any without any of their support, and let Democrats take the heat for increasing the debt limit. And the deal calls for raising it by a specific dollar amount. They can't just suspend the debt limit, just wipe it away for the time being, as Democrats would have preferred to do, because it's a tougher political vote when you have to increase it by a certain amount. We're thinking it's going to be in the neighborhood of $2 trillion. That's a hefty dollar figure that Republicans can use on the campaign trail, saying it's because of all this Democratic spending that Democrats themselves voted to increase the debt limit. By two trillion dollars of your money, uh, that's going to be, I think, the pitch that the, the Republicans are going to try to use. And of course, the Biden administration and, and Democratic lawmakers are pushing back as often as they can, saying, "No, hang on, the debt is a bipartisan responsibility, and the Build Back Better Act is not gonna uh, is not really the reason that the debt limit has to be increased right now. It hasn't even passed yet." Um, so that, those were all of the complex dynamics here that I'm really not sure the public is going to be following. Uh, and as long as they avoid a fiscal crisis, I'm not sure anyone's really going to notice or care. Um, but, but for lawmakers of both parties, it comes as a big relief, I think, because it, it removes the possibility of a fiscal crisis that, that really they all would have been blamed for.
1: Right. And I think we should point out here that this agreement that McConnell and Schumer brokered over sort of a procedural loophole for a second debt limit bill, that's temporary. That is not a permanent change to Senate rules. Essentially, what this does is give Democrats through mid-January to move a debt limit bill through the Senate without having to move through the legislative filibuster process, which is, of course, typically on large bills in the Senate, you need to move through cloture, which is also referred to as the legislative filibuster, which requires 60 senators to agree to limit debate on that bill and move on to that simple majority passage vote. And right now, since it is an evenly divided 50-50 Senate That means that at least 10 Republicans need to agree to vote for that procedural threshold before Democrats could pass legislation. And so what they did here was really kind of weird, and I'm not entirely sure it's going to resonate with many people outside of, you know, D.C.'s political Capitol Hill sort of echo chamber. Because essentially there's, you know, just procedural hoops that are being taken down for a little while so that Democrats can pass a limit bill on their own. Um, and so I think that's kind of interesting. And I think a lot of people who pay attention to this were kind of confused by it this week because Republicans were saying they'd vote on cloture on a bill that allows Democrats to advance a debt limit bill, but they wouldn't vote on cloture on a debt limit bill. And so it's this weird sort of, they're not trying to take a direct vote on cloture on a debt limit bill, but I think there's a lot of commentary out there that this is, um, you know, sort of the same thing by a different name.
0: Yeah. That's, what's also so remarkable about this to me is it's a distinction without a difference. I mean, right? I mean, what does it matter if the bipartisan cooperation comes on this bill to carve out an exemption to procedural rules or on the bill itself? You know, they're, they're really splitting hairs here to, to, get this, to get this done and to, to give Republicans as much, uh, to, you know, to remove Republicans as far away as they can from the debt limit bill, I suppose. It's an extra step away from it this way. But it's a distinction without a difference. But I guess it made enough Republicans feel comfortable to go with it. And they can rightly say that they took no part in the debt limit increase. Um, Although, you know, if you're a wizard about Senate rules, you know they actually had to cooperate to get to get it through to to make it happen. But, um, you know, in the end, it doesn't matter. They've 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 provided a bipartisan solution here that's going to get the job done. And we do, as we tape on Friday, think that the the actual debt limit increase bill should be done this coming week. Uh, the Treasury Secretary has has warned that the government may be unable to pay all its bills by after December fifteenth is kind of the deadline. Uh, that's that's when the risk starts that that they start defaulting on some of their obligations. So they're determined to get it done. I think uh, in the coming days here. And it will get done on a, on a, on a strictly party line vote, uh, but the crisis will be averted.
1: Yeah. And I think the sort of interesting thought exercise here is what happens after Congress clears this Democrats only bill raising the debt limit, most likely past the midterm elections, because there's only, you know, Democrats in the House have a very narrow majority. The Senate is essentially deadlocked 50 50 right now. And there's a lot of speculation about whether or not Democrats can hang on to unified control of government. And so I'm very curious what happens if Republicans get the House or the Senate or both following the midterm elections. At some point, um, when there's sort of that divided control of government, you're going to have to do another debt limit bill. Like this is the thing about having a debt limit, which is sort of rare um throughout democracies, throughout the world, really, um, is that you just have to keep coming back to it and back to it and back to it and negotiating agreements to raise the debt limit, um which is something that several Democrats, including House Majority Leader Stenny Hoyer and House Budget Chairman John Yarmouth, have said, is sort of a false threshold, right? Like no, person acting rationally as a member of Congress, it's going to want to default on the nation's debt because it would just lead to like absolute economic catastrophe. Um, And so, excuse me, they've said that, you know, it's just sort of a false choice here that forces a lot of last minute brinksmanship.
0: Yeah. There's no question. A lot of Democrats have been eager to just eliminate this debt limit altogether and be done with it and not have one. There's nothing that says they have to have one. Um, historically, this country has always had one, but you don't have to, and most countries don't. And certainly, we know that having a debt limit has really done nothing to uh, prevent debt from increasing. So it hasn't really worked because they have to keep raising the limit because they they have no choice. Once you once you approve the spending, the time to the time to address the debt is when you do the spending bills. Once you approve the spending, the bills come in and they have to be paid. Um, so it hasn't really worked. On the other hand, Republicans seem very opposed to elim- just eliminating a debt limit. They say it's still a useful check on spending. It provides a constant reminder of fiscal pressures. And they have sometimes used a debt limit increase to negotiate for spending reductions. So to that extent, they can say it is a useful thing because whenever it comes up, you can try to negotiate. Um. For future spending reductions to try to tame down deficits. Now, this year they didn't do that, which was interesting to me. They really made, they really made no attempt to negotiate spending reductions as part of this debt limit deal. I think because of Build Back Better, right? Their whole focus was just to blame Democrats this year for Build Back Better and say that's the reason the debt limit has to increase. So, Democrats, you're on your own unless you get rid of Build Back Better. And so that's what they made as the negotiating ploy here this year. Normally, they would just negotiate for for some spending reductions to cut a deal. And that wasn't possible this year because the politics have been so polarized and so poisoned on both sides.
1: Well, but spending reductions haven't always been what Republicans were negotiating for. I mean, especially if we look at the past decade under that 2011 deficit reduction law known as the Budget Control Act, That set in place a lot of what Democrats and Republicans referred to as austere spending cuts to the discretionary budget. And then one of the things that we've seen during the last decade is that debt limit suspension bills were often tied to bipartisan agreements for raising discretionary spending for both defense and non-defense programs. And if we look to this year, conversations about the current fiscal year that we're in and what to set discretionary spending at, Republicans aren't actually talking about spending reductions here. One of the things that we've been hearing repeatedly from McConnell and Senate Appropriations Ranking Member Richard Shelby is that they want to make sure that the increases in spending in the current fiscal year that began on October 1st are even between that defense category and that non-defense category on the discretionary side of things. And so this isn't, I understand that that's sort of the talking point in campaign ads and things like that surrounding the nation's debt, but that's not really what happens when they negotiate around discretionary spending. And of course, the other side of the coin of federal spending is mandatory spending, and that's Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security predominantly. And I don't really see any situation where Republicans are, and Democrats are going to want to sit down anytime in the next few years and actually cut those programs. Um, right. So that's you know I think really one of the dynamics here is well yes we hear a lot of campaign ads from a certain demographic of the Republican Party that they want to cut federal spending and that they would support you know essentially balancing the budget. I don't know that we actually see that in practice.
0: We don't, and that's an excellent point, Jen. And and unless they're willing to tackle the big entitlement programs, you really can't get a good handle on, on deficits, the Congressional Budget Office has said. Um, and we should point out that even as part of this bill, to, to to get a debt limit deal, they're postponing cuts to Medicare that would have been triggered. So it's another attempt to delay uh, cuts that they had already agreed to make <laughs> to, try to, to try to tame deficits, which is another reason these, Promises of future spending reductions tend not to work because once you reach that date, they tend to push them off again. And that's exactly what this bill does, right? They're, they have a, a pay-as-you-go law that says, you know, if you if you run a deficit, then it requires cuts to certain programs, including to Medicare. And then they just simply waive that rule so that they don't have to make those cuts. And that's part of this bill they just passed so that we won't see cuts to Medicare that otherwise would have been triggered come January 1st.
1: Yeah. So this is one of the sort of weird things about covering these debt limit negotiations and the brinksmanship on the debt limit is I don't think anyone or most lawmakers in Congress really wanted to see a default. I think it was sort of just, you know, figuring out where they wanted to be heading into the midterms next year. And the political theater that
0: goes along with that—it's part of the political games of Washington. But they got it done, and there is no fiscal crisis, and so now they can move on to return the focus, really, to build back better. And we will see if if uh, Democrats can make good on their effort to try to pass that by Christmas. It's looking increasingly doubtful, but we'll see. And CQ and roll call will be covering it all for you as usual. That does it for us today. If you have any questions or comments about our podcast, we'd love to hear from you. You can always drop us an email. The address is cqpodcast, one word, at cqrollcall.com. The CQ Budget Podcast is produced by CQ Roll Call, a leader in nonpartisan political and policy news and analysis for more than 70 years. CQ Roll Call is part of Fiscal Note, a global technology and media company. Thank you all for listening. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker.
1: And I'm Jennifer Shutt, budget and appropriations reporter.
0: You can always stay up to date by subscribing to the CQ Budget newsletter. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, NPR One, or just Google the phrase CQ Budget Podcast. And we'll be back next week.